This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. All right, all right. Go ahead and grab a seat, everybody. Good morning. It's good to be with you today. If you're a guest with us today, I want to welcome you. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I would love to meet you after the service. I'm going to be hanging out by the back doors, out by the guest gift, which I would love to have you pick up on your way out. Uh, My name is Kevin, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just my privilege to continue to engage with us as we engage with God this morning. So, so glad you're here. Make yourself comfortable. Uh, If you didn't grab a cup of coffee on the way in or a cup of tea or a glass of water, feel free to grab one of those and enjoy it this morning. Kick your feet off turn a seat around, whatever you got to do. Because the most important thing for us is that you engage with God this morning. Because we believe that God wants to engage with you. We believe at our core, at our core, that God isn't some distant deity who set the world in motion and he's just hanging out saying, I hope you do your best. Good luck. That God is, is a personal, powerful, always present Heavenly Father who wants to engage with you today, who wants to meet you in this place, who wants to teach you more about himself and about life, who wants to encourage you if you're down, challenge you in places that you might need to be challenged in, just engage with you today. So I, I'm hoping and I'm praying and I have been all week that you would encounter God this morning. And when you came in, you should have received a program. Uh, We're starting a brand new series today, and you're definitely going to want to grab some things out of here. One is this Start Here card. You're going to want to get that out and get that filled out because we're going to use it later on this morning. And then even if you're not normally a note taker, you're going to want your notes today because we're going to do kind of like a a survey Bible course today. And there's so much that we're going to dig into that uh, you're going to want to keep this so you can look at it throughout the week and, and dig into it and press into the stuff we're talking about because it could make all the difference for you. So go ahead and get that ready. Well, if you are here for the first time, or if you're back for the first time in a while, it's the perfect time to be here because we're launching a brand new series today. So you come in right at the beginning of what I think is going to be a really, really great next three weeks for us as a church. We're starting a series called The Invisible War, and we just finished up our series, The Good Life, which, believe it or not, that was 10 weeks. We engaged with Jesus' most famous sermon for 10 weeks, and I don't know about you, but I loved loved that series. And what we talked about in that series was this, that you and I live in two worlds. We live in the world that we can experience with our five senses, and then we live in an unseen world, an unseen realm. We almost have dual citizenship in these two worlds. And this unseen world we live in is what Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, there are two distinctives. The first is that you are God's child. When you become a follower of Jesus, you you get adopted into his family, and you're his daughter. You're his son, and you have all the rights and privileges of being a child of God. And the second thing is that that God is the king in this kingdom. And that means that what God has going cannot ultimately be shaken. As rough as the world gets, as, as many times as you get hit or knocked down, ultimately God will prevail. He'll either make things right in this world, or he'll make things right in eternity as we enter into heaven with him. And so we have hope that that God is with us, that he's working on our behalf in this world, and that ultimately one day he will set all things right. And that's kind of the the backdrop for this last series. But I wanted to do kind of a tag on with this new series to that, because while there is an unseen world where God is the king, there's actually also an enemy of God. And we don't talk about him a lot, and he doesn't deserve a lot of airtime. We spent 10 weeks on the last series. We're going to do three weeks on this series because God deserves a whole lot more than this other guy we're going to talk about, he who shall not be named, who we're going to actually jump into today. But there's a cosmic battle going on between 
between God and his forces and this enemy and his forces. And the struggle is real. And we're going to press into that today. Here's what, here's what Jesus himself says about his enemy. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says there's a thief. We're going we're gonna to talk about him. And he goes by a lot of names. We'll call him the devil or Satan or God's enemy or the thief. We'll, we'll talk about him in a bunch of different names. Here Jesus says there's a thief. And notice what this thief does. He comes only, only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his goal. That's his aim. Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Have it in abundance. Have a life that is authentic and purposeful, where you're breaking free from the hurts and the habits and the hangups that trap so many people. He said, that's the life I I came to give you. And we just spent 10 weeks talking about how to experience God in such a way that we would actually get that life. And if you missed it, you can either grab our podcast at New Life Petaluma or go to the website. You can hear that entire series. He says, but there's, there's an enemy who comes to steal. Steal your joy. Steal your passion. Who comes to destroy. Destroy your marriage. Destroy your sense of self-worth. Destroy your value. He comes to take make you feel worthless, hopeless, make you feel like a mistake. If he could, he would like you to believe that there is no God. If you've ever woken up one morning and and you've been engaged with with life groups and you've been in the church and and you've been part of a community and you serve, you wake up one morning and think, "Is is this just all a hoax? Like, is this real? That's the enemy. That's what he's trying to do. Just plant a little seed that says, come on, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not real. But it is, and we've experienced too much of God to believe that lie. So what we're going to do is we're going we're to talk about this enemy. We're going to talk about his schemes and his plans. What I want to do today is I want to give us a broad overview, kind of stretching across the, the whole of the Bible. Who is this enemy? Why do we believe that there are spiritual forces going on? Why do we believe that he's real? And how do we engage with him? That, that's going to be today. It's kind of a survey course. Because to be honest, a lot of us are probably wondering, is this true? Is this real? Do we really want to engage with this? And some of us are saying, yes, of course it is. Because churches swing one of two ways. Churches uh, either swing the pendulum over here to never talking about this, about the devil, about demons, about angels. That was the churches I grew up in. We just never talked about that kind of stuff. Or we swing the pendulum all the way over here and become fanatical about this stuff, and everything's a demon, and everything's the devil, and the devil made me do it, and there's, you know, there's a demon of, I don't know, like, bad luck, a demon of computers. Like, if you ever thought, my email is possessed, you know, it's like, maybe you went to church over here. Like, I don't know. My hope today is to, is to, the best I can, and again, it's the best I can, is to bring us back to the middle, to a center point where we would say, yeah, I think there, this could be true. To give us an awareness and not a weirdness about this topic. That's what I'm looking at today. And what I want to do is I want to zoom way out and talk about who this enemy is today. And then for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about his one-two punch, how he tries to take us out of the game. Because he does these in order. He hits you with one thing, and the minute he gets you there, boom, he knocks you down with the other. So you're not going to want to miss the next two weeks. Because you might think that it's someone else who's knocking you down. You might think it's your spouse, your kids, your boss. It could be that it's the enemy in the unseen world, and you're actually fighting the wrong person. You actually should be fighting the enemy with some spiritual weapons as opposed to your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, with your physical weapons. So we're going to dig into that. 
So here's what the Bible says about demons and angels and the devil. It's got plenty to say. Did you know that angels and demons are mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament and 165 times in the New Testament? So the question becomes, what do those 273 references tell us about angels and about demons? And I want to start with angels because they're more fun, right? Let's start with the good news before we move to the bad news. Here's what the devil, here's what the, the, devil, the devil made me say that. Uh, here's, what, here's what the Bible tells us about angels. It says that angels were created by God. At some point in history, when God chose to do it, God created angels. They are created beings. Psalm 148 verse 5 is talking about angels, and here's what it says. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. Another thing that the Bible tells us about angels is that they are, are uniquely different from humans. Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to give us Bible references to all the things we're talking about. Some of them you'll just have in your notes. I want you to go look them up later. Others we're going to dig into a little bit. But here's what Hebrews chapter 1 tells us. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits? I want you to underline ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation. The Bible tells us that angels were created by God, and they're uniquely different than people. We were also created by God, but we were created differently from angels. And so your, your, your favorite aunt, your uncle, your parents, um, they may be with the Lord now. If they knew God and loved God, they're with him in heaven, and that's great, but they, they aren't angels, actually. They're not your guardian angel. They're uniquely different. They're in heaven, and they're with God, and they're probably with angels, but they're of different substance than angels. Here's just a little interesting fact. Did you know that there are over 200 references to angels and demons, but only three angels are mentioned by name? One of them is a guy named Michael, an angel named Michael, an angel named Gabriel, and an angel named Lucifer, or the devil, or Satan. And we're going to talk about him in a few minutes. While angels were never human— we're told that angels in the Bible, and this is where it gets a little confusing, they take all kinds of different forms. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 1, angels look a lot like Star Wars characters. They really do. Like, they've got different faces and shapes and bodies and wings. I mean, it's crazy to look at. Um, at Jesus' birth, angels show up in a dream. They're, they come like in a vision. In the book of Genesis, there's a guy named Abraham, and he's out just having a little barbecue, and three men walk up to him. And he's pretty sure they're just guests. So he welcomes them in and has time with them and enjoys time with them. And it's not until they leave that barbecue that he realizes those were actually angels. They took the form of people. So even though they're not people, they took the form of people. And angels have three primary functions. The first is angels worship God. He created angels to do a very similar function that he created us to do, to worship God, to engage with God. The more we get to know God, the more we're just drawn to worship him with our whole lives. With our song, that's great. I love worship. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the last like month and a half, I was talking with our worship teams. Just the level of engagement in worship in our church is like going up. It's so fun to hear us. And I think it's because we're just getting to know God better, just worshiping God with our voices more. But we worship God with our lives, with our words, with the way we treat each other, with our actions. And angels worship God. Nehemiah chapter 9 tells us that there are thousands of angels that worship God. And this is, this is just my opinion, but I have the microphone, so I'm going to say it. My, 
my guess, my guess, based on what I see in the Bible, is that when we worship God in a setting like this, it could be that there are angels actually worshiping with us. That as God's people gather together, at times there are angels that worship with God's people in the unseen world. And I don't know about you, but that's just a, ni- a neat thing for me to, to dream about and imagine about a little bit. Could it be that when we worship, when we come in, when we're doing the T-Rex, you know, we're like into it, that there are actually angels, or the goalposts, there's all these different, I love it, I love it. That there are actually angels worshiping with us. So angels worship God. Angels bring messages from God to people. The word angel literally means messenger. And angels are messengers to people from God. In fact, in the birth of, of Jesus, angels are scattered throughout that story. Angels show up to Jesus' mother, Mary. Angels show up to her fiancé, Joseph. Angels show up to the wise men in the story. Angels even show up to the group of shepherds. And actually, in your notes, in Luke chapter 2, here's what they say. It says, I bring you good news, a message that will cause great joy for the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Messiah, the Lord. It goes on to say that in the next moment, hundreds of angels appear, just a, a, just a huge heavenly host, and they worship God as they announce this great thing. Angels are messengers from God to us. And then angels punish God's enemies, and care for God's people. Hebrews chapter 1, which we talked about earlier, says that they are ministering spirits sent to those of us who will inherit salvation. So as we go through life, as we are, um, are burdened by things, there are actually angels who minister to us in the unseen realm. As we pray and ask God for comfort, it could be that there are, that he sends angels to minister to us. And the Bible's not clear as to whether each of us has our own. I I don't get a sense that that necessarily is true. It could be. I don't know. I could swing the pendulum over here and tell you definitely, and it's probably got a name. Start praying and asking God for your angel's name, but I don't know that that's true. But I do know from the Bible that there are times in our lives that as we pray, God actually sends angels to minister to us, to care for us. He did that for Jesus. Uh, in, In Jesus, after he was baptized, he was sent into the wilderness, and he actually had a spiritual battle, a spiritual war with the devil. And after that 40 days of that war was over, we're told that God sent angels to minister to Jesus, to care for him, and to minister to him. That's pretty awesome to think about, that as we pray, God hears us and responds, and sometimes he actually might be sending an angel to care for you. So that's what we know about angels. Now let's talk about the devil and about demons, which, again, it's not my favorite topic. In fact, I was looking back over my teaching for the past six years or so, and I realized I haven't actually talked on this topic in about four years. Because who wants to come and talk about the devil on a Sunday? It's not our favorite topic, but I just have a sense that it's so important because I watch us and I grieve. As your pastor, I grieve when I see us getting taken out of the game because we don't know who our enemy is in the spiritual world. We don't know how he works. We don't know his tactics. And, and while the devil is really good at the tactics he does use, and we're going to talk about those in the next few weeks, he's not all that creative. He has like a couple that he uses over and over again, and he uses them very specifically and uniquely to get us. But he's only got a few tactics, and boy, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see us come here together and then just get taken out of the game of life because we just don't know what's going on. So what does the Bible say about the devil? And I love, I love the movie, The Usual Suspects. 
Some of you are thinking about the quote right now. The greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. So what I want to do right now is just pull back the curtain. Talk about that side of the spiritual reality because the devil's doing a pretty good job of convincing the world he doesn't exist. If he can convince us that he's like a, a sexy cutout on the mud flap of a raised truck, he's doing a pretty good job, right? If he can convince us that he's just a little hellraiser like Dennis the Menace, he's doing a pretty good job. Your kid is not the devil. No matter what you thought bringing him to church today, your kid is not the devil. I remember going, uh, I did college ministry for years, and one of my, <laughs> one of the, it's just one of those moments you have when you do college ministry. We decided one year, let's do a Halloween dance. That sounds great. Like, we're going to tick off every denomination. We're going to celebrate Halloween and dance, you know? It's like the Nazarenes were not happy with us that day. So we do this big Halloween dance. We invite everybody to come, and this Christian gal on leadership shows up, and she's dressed up like a sexy devil. Now, she wasn't worshiping the devil. She was just, she just unaware. What is it, by the way, about, about being in college? Like every costume, it's just like you take your costume from when you were a kid and you add sexy to the front, right? It's like, I'm a sexy nurse. I'm a sexy psychologist. I'm a sexy librarian. I'm a sexy devil. It's like, what? What? I've been to the hospital. Nurses don't dress like that, right? Like, yeah, just, just saying. So she was a sexy devil because she just didn't know. She just didn't know. So here's what we know about the, I know, right? It's crazy. Here's what we know about the devil. The devil was created as the wisest and most beautiful angel in all of God's creation. Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, you can look those up when you get home. They tell us about, about this beautiful angel, Lucifer. And they tell us that this angel, Lucifer, that was beautiful and wise, wiser than all the angels, He wanted to seize control of God's throne. He wanted to become like God, and he wanted to become God himself. And in his pride, he rose up and rebelled against God. And God cast him out of heaven, and he became God's arch enemy. But he did not go alone. The book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 tells us the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. Again, there's his his goal, to lead us astray. He was hurled down to the earth and his angels with him. That he was hurled down. And the same chapter of Revelation tells us that he took up to a third of the angelic hosts of the angels with him when he rebelled against God and was hurled down. And because of that, we have two different groups. We have angels who serve God, who worship God, who protect God's people, who care for God's people. And then we have demons who roam around trying to hurt wreak havoc, destroy, call God into question, make you skeptical. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I don't know about all this. And I'll tell you, I was skeptical for a long time. But the more I studied the Bible and tried to just understand what God was trying to reveal to us in the whole book, all 66 of the letters put together, the more convinced I am that this isn't just ancient mythology, that it's a very real thing. In fact, Jesus believed in demons, and from time to time, he cast them out of people. He freed people from their grip. Matthew chapter 25, verse 25, tells us that there's a place of fire that is actually set aside for the devil and his angels. And here's my thought, and I've said this before. Anyone who can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm just going to go with what he says, you know? So if Jesus believes that they're real, and he talks about them, and he frees people from their hold— 
I'm going to believe that that's the truth. Here's what's so important for us to know as followers of Jesus. God has already condemned the devil and his angels for all eternity. The war has been settled. The victory is God's. There are battles that go on, but the victory is ultimately God's. He's settled it. He's told us. He actually reveals to us the way that that's going to go down in the end. So you've got to ask yourself the question, well, if the war is already won, what are demons trying to do now? And here's what they're trying to do. As best they can, they're trying to take out God's kids. If someone really didn't like me, and they tried to get to me, and they realized they couldn't get to me, if they were a horrible person, what would they do? They'd go after my kids, try to get to them. And that's exactly what demons do. They cannot defeat God. They know that. So what do they do? They come after God's kids. Who are God's kids? We are God's kids. And they try to trick us and trap us and get us. They're like, they're like my Chicago Bears, if I'm totally honest. I know. I'm just going to say it because God is teaching me humility, being a Bears fan. Every year, about three-quarters of the way into the season, it becomes very clear that we will not make it into the playoffs. That's just the reality. And I'm sorry if my Midwestern family is listening. I'm going to visit them next week, and I have a bad feeling if they listen to this sermon, I'll be sleeping outside. (laughs) But what do they do then? When you realize you can't make the playoffs, what's your next goal? Become a spoiler, right? Spoil other teams' chances. Isn't that what everybody tried to do to the Warriors at the end of the year? It's like, we can't, we can't make it, but we can try to take them out of one game at a time. And that's what demons and the devil try to do to us. They try to act as spoilers, to take you out of the game. The question is, will they get you? Will they get me? Will they get our church? You know, one of the things they love to do is cause divisioning the church, division against God's people. That's why in the New Testament, over and over again, the authors talk about unity, unity, unity. Work it out, figure it out, come together, forgive one another, love one another. Because if the devil, if his, if his demons can get into the church, can infiltrate and get us turning against each other, and they can take out a whole church, that's a major win for them. It's like when the Bears beat the Packers, which does happen from time to time. Or when the Bears beat the 49ers in their opening game in their new stadium a couple years ago. It's like that kind of a thing. I'm just saying. It, is that bad? Unity in the church. Unity in the church. Forgive one another. Forgive your pastor. Like, I can see Niners fans clenching your fists at me. <laughs> but he tries to get us. He really does. He tries to discourage us. I remember, I've been your senior pastor for about two and a half years now. You don't have to applaud, but you can. Um, <laughs> hey, thank you. Oh my, stop, stop. About a year and a half before that, we decided we were going to start moving on making me the senior pastor. And over the course of that four years, I had three staph infections, including MRSA. Uh, I had cellulitis. Uh, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, and I herniated disc in my back in my early 30s. Now, I can't say that that was all... Someone laughed at me. (laughs) Apparently, we have a Niners fan up front. I can't say that that was was the devil. I can't, I don't know if it was spiritual attack, but here's what I know. If he's going to get me down, he's going to get me down by discouraging me in those ways. That's, he knows how to get to me. So I had to be very aware 
of the spiritual battle that I was fighting moving into a role of leadership in our church. And you have to be aware of that too. Anytime you take a step of faith, like a major one, getting baptized, start giving for the first time, jump into a ministry, be aware. Not always, but oftentimes the enemy tries to get us down, tries to snag us, tries to take us out, tries to discourage us, tries to tell us it's not worth it because he wants to take you out of the game. But God's given us everything we need to defeat him. In fact, we're going to be talking about that for the next two weeks. How do we counter his one-two punch? Here's what you need to know today. The devil's been defeated. You and I have won the victory. We, we have won. We can claim it. As God's children, we can claim the ultimate victory. He cannot take us out. Demons, the devil, they, they cannot work inside of us. God works inside of us. They just try to attack us from the outside, but we've got God. As we were praying this morning with our worship and production team and with our guest services team, praying for you all, which we do every Sunday before church starts, we were praying for you, and Pastor Ron reminded us of, of what we're told, the reality that greater is he who is in us, greater is God who lives in us than is he who is in the world, than the devil who tries to attack us. We do not have to lose, and we're going to talk about that. But as we wrap up our time today, I want to take us back to John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life, and that you may have life to the full. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could experience forgiveness from our sins, from the things we've done that have hurt others, that have hurt us. He came to forgive us. He came to heal us from the places where other people's sin has deeply wounded us. He came to be our healer. He came to give us freedom from our hurts, from our habits, from our hangups, from those destructive patterns that we, we cycle through. He came to give us joy. He came to give us purpose. He came to give us an eternal life that is sealed with God in heaven when we call on the name of Jesus and we experience his forgiveness and get invited and adopted into his family. That's the life he gave us. But the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus warns us that there are only two paths and you cannot fight the enemy on your own. He is weaker than God, but he's stronger than you. And I want to invite you, if you've been walking through life alone, don't, don't. It might be your first time here. We might just be meeting today for the first time. I want to tell you, I love you. I love you deeply because I know how deeply God loves you. That God sees you. You're not here by accident. You're here because he has invited you into this moment, to this place, because you're his child and as long as you've been walking away from him, guess what? God's been searching the streets to find you. And now you're at a moment where God has found you. Or more really, maybe you've realized that God was always there, inviting you back, inviting you home. And I want to make that invitation to you to give your life to God, to experience life with him, to accept his forgiveness, his salvation, to make him the leader of your life, and to follow him into the freedom that he's promised you. If you're ready to do that, I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to give you a chance to make a decision to give your life to God. 
And then Pastor Ron's going to come out, and he's going to wrap up our time together. He's got some things to share, but I want to highlight on your cards, if you make that decision, on the back of your Start Here card, it says, I'm entering into a first-time relationship with Jesus. If you make that decision, I want you to mark that, because I want to pray for you this week. It's a spiritual battle, and one of our spiritual weapons is prayer. And I want to pray for you by name this week, that you would walk with God with strength, that he would guide you and lead you and protect you from the enemy who wants to take you out as you make this big step. And if you're ready to commit your life to God, I'm going to invite you right now to say a simple prayer and invite God to be your leader and your savior. So would you join me as we pray? Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for all of us right now that you would give us a clarity on the things that are happening in the spiritual world that even though we cannot see them, you give us glimpses through your word, through the Bible. You give us glimpses into this unseen world. Would you give us clarity to know how to walk with you in freedom without fear and without um, a, a weird, awkward preoccupation with the spiritual battle that's happening, but with courage and with strength and with sober reality that there is a spiritual battle happening between God, between you and the angels and the devil and his demons. And we thank you, Jesus, that the war has been won, that the victory has been sealed, and that you are greater than him who's in the world. Over these next couple of weeks, would you give us the tools to fight the one-two punch of the devil? And as we continue to pray, if you're ready to commit your life to God, to start this journey with him, you can repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life for me. And I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you begin healing me from the places that I've been hurt and wounded? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can stand on the truth that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.